0: Well, good morning again. Let me say welcome now, not only to those of you who are here in our contemporary service, but also welcome right now to those of you who are joining us uh, online and on TV. I'm really glad that you guys are here, and I'm glad that we have this chance together, all of us, to connect together as one church family and to learn together from God's Word and to grow together as disciples of Jesus Christ. Hey, today is the second week of a series that we started last week called Good Work. And if you in case you missed last week or if you're new here, this is something that we could think of as a 3-165 series. 3-165 is one of our values as a church family. It just, it's our way of saying that we don't just want to settle for the, the joy and the grace and the power and the community of life with Christ during the maybe three hours a week that an average church member might be at church but rather also in the 165 hours a week that we are the church everywhere that we go. And I know that one of the big places, one of the biggest struggles that we face to integrate our lives for a lot of us is that integration of faith and work, that integration of Sunday and Monday and and for some of us, that could mean the struggle to integrate it in a paid job or in a career of some kind. But for others of us, that looks different than that. It might be that your daily work is parenting or homemaking. Or maybe some of you are in a retirement phase of life. And some of you are using the time and the daily work that you have in volunteer roles of some kind. All of us get up in the morning and we contribute something somehow to the world. And one of the places that we want to talk together as a church about integrating our discipleship to Jesus, 3 and 165, is in the daily work that we contribute to God's world. Now last week we started off with kind of a foundational biblical image for this. We talked about the story of creation and God's command to human beings that they would care for the garden, that they would contribute their work to making God's world fruitful, making God's garden, if you will, productive, that we contribute to the flourishing of human community. But today I want to give you another biblical image or biblical passage that I hope can be helpful for thinking about the way that we use the work that we do every day to serve God. The way that we live as disciples of Jesus in the work that we do. And this week the passage I want to share with you is the passage we heard read already in both of our worship venues and that is Jesus' very simple command to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. This This is teaching of Jesus is, on the one hand, it just seems so simple. Like, what could be simpler than that? Love your neighbor as yourself. And yet, at the same time, it's one of Jesus' most profound teachings. And sometimes, it can be one of the ones that raises the most questions for us. What does that actually mean? How do we do that? And how do we apply that to the work that we do every day? Well, I think there's probably two main kind of questions that we face, two maybe challenges that we face in trying to follow that instruction from Jesus to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the first one of those two big questions is simply asking, well, what is that? What is love? What are we supposed to do? Love's a slippery word. It's a, a difficult word. It's a word that can mean so many different things to us. I mean, I love pizza, and I love my wife, and I love my kids and I love Jesus, and I love my neighbor, and some people love love stories. So what did Jesus want us to do to our neighbor? What was all that? What is love? Well, fortunately for us, this is actually one of the easier questions as it pertains to the teaching of Jesus. Jesus said this, actually, in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 15. Jesus said, this is the greatest love. Greater love has no one than this, than that they would lay down their life for their friends that they would seek to benefit somebody else. They would even sacrifice themselves. They'd lay down their life for their friends. There's another passage later in the New Testament in the book of 1 John. I love this passage because it's like one of these like, almost like love for dummies kind of passages. When I, I would ask, so what is love? This verse starts. It's 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Like, Great. That's the verse I was trying to read. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, so we also should lay down our lives for others. Now, In the original context of those verses in first century Christianity, that could really mean losing your life, dying for somebody else. And there are still many Christians around the world who out of faithfulness to Jesus and faithfulness to his calling might actually lay down their life out of loyalty to the family of God or for somebody else. Many of us are not in a situation where we're actually in lethal danger for being Christians and loving our neighbor will not usually in many of our lives require us to actually lose our life in a literal physical sort of way but we still lay down our lives to bless to serve to care for others one time when Jesus was teaching this commandment to somebody somebody asked him well what does it mean to love my neighbor in fact who is my neighbor And Jesus told this famous story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Some of you may have heard that before. If you haven't ever heard it before, you might have heard the phrase Good Samaritan. It's become kind of a common phrase that we use. It's just a story that Jesus told about a guy who went out of his own way, who cost himself his own convenience, his own time, who spent his own life caring for somebody who was, who was hurt, who'd been robbed and left, beaten and bruised, and this guy took him somewhere and then not only went out of his own way, but paid for his own money to see that this guy was cared for and nursed back to health. He just he just blessed somebody, he cared for somebody else at a cost to himself. A, a teacher that I had a long time ago, a Christian teacher I had a long time ago, said that he thought this was a good definition for love, and I've kind of held on to it over the years. Love is a commitment to act for the good of somebody else, even at cost to yourself. That's always stuck with me. Love is a commitment to act, right, for the good of somebody else, even at cost to yourself. So We can ask what love is, and I don't know if I love pizza that way or if anybody loves tacos that way or your pet, maybe, I don't know. But I know when Jesus says, love your neighbor, that that's the kind of love he means. Let's serve somebody else. Let's let's be good to them. Let's serve, bless, and care for them, even when we have to sacrifice ourselves for that. But that's maybe the easier side of the question, the maybe more complicated one where where we have some real thinking and prayerful imagining to do is how does that happen in our work life? How do we love our neighbor in the context of our daily work? For some of you, depending on what your daily work is, maybe the answer comes more readily to mind. For some of you, you might be thinking, that would be hard to do. The environment I work in is not a loving environment. To love in my work environment is to be a sucker. <laughs> Or maybe it's just, if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to get ahead. How can I compete and love my neighbor at the same time? I know some people have told me, as I've had these conversations with people over the years, probably when I go to work, that's like the least loving place I ever experienced. And I don't know how to love there. Well, I want to share some examples with you. Let me just share one with you that, from a book that I read recently, actually. It was a book called, it was one of the books I read to help get my own imagination working for this series. It's a book called Every Good Endeavor. It's by Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York City. And uh, it's a great book for those of you who want to continue thinking about this. It's called Every Good Endeavor. But he uses an example in that book that he also borrowed from somebody else I thought was really helpful for my way of thinking. He said, imagine that there's a church member who is a carpenter. You can imagine almost any trade, almost any role, almost any skill set. Imagine a carpenter is a member of your church and that carpenter says, well, what should I do to be a Christian? What should I do to be a better Christian? And the typical answers that that person might receive would be, well, you should go to church every Sunday. And you should maybe read your Bible and avoid things that are obviously immoral, don't engage in really bad, destructive behaviors. Maybe volunteer some of your time, give to charity, give to your church. Right, those are all good answers, right? I mean, I think followers of Jesus do all those things. But somewhere high on that list of what should a person do who is a follower of the Lord who said, love your neighbor as yourself, Maybe should be something like make excellent tables. Like with all the hours that you spend, half or more of your waking hours, the investment of your skill, your own time, your labor, the calluses on your hands perhaps, do what you do for your neighbor as well as you can possibly do it. Maybe it means frame square houses or whatever that carpenter did, whatever skill set that you have, whatever work that you work in. Make excellent tables, the table that will be in the kitchen table for the, kitchen, in the kitchen for the family that owns this table, and their kids are going to spill orange juice on it, and the dog's going to put their paws on it, and they're going to have critical family conversations around it. It could be there for decades. Bless your neighbor. Serve your neighbor. Do com- commit yourself to act for the good of your neighbor, even though it might cost you your own labor, your own dedication. It costs you the work that you put into it. And it can be in the work that you do, it can also be in the manner that you do it, if you do it with colleagues, if you do it in a way that's caring and respectful, compassionate, fairly priced, all that kind of stuff. Commit to act for the good of your neighbor, even in your daily work. Now, that kind of example helps my mind, but I don't want to just give you examples that I've thought of or that I've experienced in my life. But this week, as last week, I have a couple of people that I'm to invite to join me up here. Christine and Barb are going to join me up here in the front and share with you a few stories and some of their experiences. And just like last week, I want to remind you that the idea here, as they share their own stories from some of their work and parenting life is not necessarily that you have to do it just like they do, although these are friends and good, wise Christian examples but also just to be stimulated in your own imagination to think about the contexts in which you labor and work every day and think, how is it that I might love my neighbor in the place where God sends me every day? Well, let's just begin here. If you guys could take a minute, please, and introduce yourselves uh, to uh, the Contemporary Service and all those who are connecting via video.
1: Okay, I'm Christine Zaccardi. You want me to say what I do?
0: Yeah, please do. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I am a marketing strategist. I work for a company that provides um, marketing and compliance software to credit unions and uh, regional banks, and so I work with the marketing departments of um, these financial institutions to help them with marketing strategy um, by way of database
0: marketing mm. analysis. Everybody, raise your hand if you understood that.
1: <laughs> I'm well, trying
0: yeah, to a make a that Very easy Very nice. <laughs> okay. Awesome. We're really happy for you. <laughs> How about you?
2: Well, mine's a little bit simpler. I will, I will say that I have two jobs, and honestly, Christine could say this as well. I work part-time as an occupational therapist in healthcare, so I can... A lot of people may not know specifically what that is, um, but you do know healthcare. care. Um, since I've had children, I've been privileged to work part-time, so uh, my other job is at home as a wife and mother raising children. Um, again, as I said, Christine is also... that is a second job for her.
0: So a part-time stay-at-home mom means 100, 150 hours a week, something like that, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I wonder if you'd be willing to share uh, an example or a couple examples of in, in your work, and you work in pretty different fields too, if you could share uh, how it is that you see your own work giving you the opportunity to follow Jesus' instruction, to love your neighbor in that context. Uh, Christine went first last time. Do you mind going first this time? Sure.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, speaking of my paying job, I think um, when we had these discussions, I said it's really a little more obvious for me in terms of I interface directly with my customer. And um, I'm in a helping profession, so that would seem pretty obvious, that I can impact their life that way. Um, But at work, I think that I can also go beyond that. I'm expected to do my job well, to be a skilled therapist. but I like to take it a step further and, and really make that person that I serve feel like I cared about them today, to make my co-workers feel like I cared about them today. Um, I had a co-worker yesterday who got called in last minute to fill in for someone, and I just asked her, can I get some coffee for you because you didn't get a chance to wake up before you came in, little things like that. Um, and over the years, honestly, I've had people uh, knowing that I go to church and, and treating them that way that then will come up and ask me, Can you pray for this? Um, I know you're praying, uh, a Christian, would you please pray for me? Um, I don't know if you want me to speak to the home piece of it now, but. Yeah, I, sure, please. Uh, sure. Um, I think part of my job at home uh, as a mother, I'll speak to more specifically, is to really treat my family that way, which is sometimes harder than to treat my coworkers that way, I'll be quite honest, because <laughs> home is home, um, but also to pass that um, legacy, if you will, on to my children, and that's one thing that my husband and I are trying to be very intentional about, to have them treat their neighbors with love. So.
0: Christine, what about you?
1: Um, well, being in database marketing, that can be maybe a little bit more difficult to see how we can love our neighbors. But I um, I would kind of agree with Barb in that, you know, I work with a, a portfolio of clients. And um, I guess the way that I try and um, work with them is to, um, you know, make them feel like their needs are important and then anticipating any additional needs that they may have because they, they've they got um, busy agendas, and this is kind of where I can serve them in terms of the product that I'm providing to them. It, it gives them insight into um, who they're serving and um, can help them um, make better decisions for the, for the benefit of those customers and members that they serve. Um, I would also agree with my coworkers. You know, I try to... Um, you know, in terms of working from with them from day to day, try to um, always put myself in their place as as you know where are they at, what kind of day have they had, and um, trying to be a very positive um, force um, you know in our work groups that we serve
0: you know one thing this is something kind of came out last week we talked about caring for the garden caring for God 's world, but I just want to kind of reinforce it again this week too i I heard both of you are both uh, at home and in your paid work. And then, Christine, you also, I think, we're making the same distinction between how we love our neighbors who are kind of the ones that receive the benefit of our work immediately, the ones who are, like, right in front of us. And that can be colleagues sometimes, and it can be, uh, you know, maybe the patients that you're working with uh, right away also. And, and for you, you're trying to put uh, the needs of your clients, the banks or credit unions you're working with, trying to make sure they're well served, and that makes sense to me. And then I think it takes a little bit longer leap of the imagination or something, but in my mind, it's still really important to think about who's that you know, end beneficiary of what I do. And honestly, even the more I think about that throughout the series and the more we talk about it, the more I think it's hard to even know who's really the end beneficiary, you know, like, you know, in, in the banks that you help, you know, I mean, those those banks themselves are hopefully, they succeed a little better because of what you're able to do. So maybe employment status is more secure there. And was, but the people who take loans out from those banks have access to loans and reliable cash flow and tar- products are targeted at people for whom they're better relevant, hopefully that's good. But then what does that do for somebody else in their neighborhood and in their family? Like just, all this stuff is linked together and when we love the neighbor who's in front of us, it enables them to love the neighbor who's in front of them, right? And kind of sets up that chain. And That just really helps me I don't know, see that uh, maybe a little bit more clearly. Uh, what about, um, uh, you know, the, I guess I'd just say quickly, the same thing could be true of parenting, I think. You know, we really want to love our kids. I mean, I mean, it's just, we love our kids passionately. But then, you know, the kind of people we help them become influences all the people they ever interact with and on and on and on. And so really the love that we show there has multiplied effect. Let me ask you though, uh, maybe Barb, you alluded to this a little bit already, uh, how sometimes it can be hard in our home life to love the people we're closest to. They get sometimes the rawest version of ourselves. (laughs) But um, let me ask maybe in your professional lives or or home lives, is there something about the context in which you work that ever makes it hard to love your neighbor? Is is, is love your neighbor really, uh, what are the things that make that more challenging in the environments that you work in? Christine, you want to go first this time? Sure, I can go right, first. Right.
1: <laughs> um, you know, a couple things come to mind immediately, and that is, you know, we are a for-profit company, and so you have goals centered around um, the the more business you can push, the better, and that can sometimes directly conflict with what is best for the client, and right. so you're faced with that challenge um, on an ongoing basis, I would say, but... Uh, um, so that can be a challenge, but we all want what's best for the client, so it's, it's an easy one to overcome. Um, I also think that um, what happens that can uh, be a little bit more of a challenge is the resource of time. When you're trying to serve your clients um, and their end users well, you, you only have a finite amount of time, which goes for work as well as for home. And so um, you know, if you're, if you're trying to do a really good job for multiple clients and then you've got your kids at home, it can be quite a challenge to um to love them to the extent that you would like to. Oh yeah,
0: right. Uh-huh.
1: So those are the two things that come to mind for
0: me. Yeah, I mean there's one, I can sure relate to that too. The people that I work with are all on church staff are all absolutely perfect human beings. So, you know, <laughs> loving each other is never a challenge. Um uh okay, maybe not. But um but man, that challenge of how do I balance The love that I'm showing to you, uh, and how do I balance the love I'm showing to you when I have a finite resource of time, uh, is a real challenge, and boy, in my life, that's one of those things that really drives me to the grace of God, going, I just can't do this right, or I can't do this perfectly, and thank God for His grace. But Barb, what about you?
2: Well, I'll just piggyback on the time thing. That's a a big one for me. um, Both at work and home, I'm expected to be productive, so sometimes then it's hard to be able to take the time to do that, little extra thing for someone. Um, the other thing, quite honestly, is my own human imperfection and sinfulness. Um, just to give an example, at work, I, I had a particular nurse that I worked with who didn't really give me warm fuzzies a whole <laughs> lot. <laughs> uh, this isn't an NICU type setting. They're very protective. It's a very specif- specific thing, and in a sense, I had to earn her trust. But uh, so it was a real temptation for me to complain about her, and I had my little nickname for her, I will admit. Um, however, <laughs> um, what I chose to do, and I even shared this with one of the other nurses, was I thought, you know what, I think she's got some things in her life that probably aren't going perfectly mm-hmm. for her. And um, so I tried to be very intentional about praying for her when I was going to interface with her. and. Um, call it whatever you want, to this day now, she is uh, very much friendlier with me. Um, I think she trusts me and my role there. So, but it's getting over that temptation of being very human, <laughs> which we are, and sinful. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, obviously, that's an ongoing challenge, right? Um, hey, maybe one last question for you guys. That uh, One I kind of wish we had more time for than we do, but I, I do want to make sure that we talk about it. Uh, do you have any experiences of, or any thoughts or experiences to share on on how you might have tried to love your neighbor through or at your work in an explicitly spiritual way? To offer to pray for somebody or to share an example of your faith. You know, part of loving your neighbor is helping them know the life that we found in Jesus. But especially in a professional workplace, that comes with all kinds of awkwardnesses and risks and ways to do that badly. (laughs) So I wonder, are there some examples that you guys had that you could share how, uh, from your own experience? Yeah.
2: I can go. Um, I I will agree, I can't, um, I can't overtly uh, share my faith at work. Um, I suppose I I could, but, I have to kind of temper that. However, I think even opening little doors. People know I'm involved at church. They, they know that's an important part of my life. And so, like I said, they will be willing to ask me to pray for them. I think with patience as well, um, just being sensitive um, to what they say. For some of them, it's pretty obvious they are also Christians. And then I have a little more leeway to say, uh, you know, can I pray for you? Or uh, maybe not right there on the spot, but... Um, so I guess that would be, and I, even though they seem not as overt, I think those little acts say something about you and they can open doors, the, the little things of kindness. So they may not be, again, so overt.
0: Yeah. Sometimes I think that's really true for the practice of evangelism, sharing the good news of Jesus. Uh, a lot of times you're, you're opening a door, you're opening a door. And then when it opens, it's, you have the opportunity to walk through it. But a lot of times you're planting seeds, opening doors. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I, um, in terms of sharing faith, you know, I, I have the opportunity to be you know pretty close to a lot of my coworkers, and we've developed some um, very good relationships, even you know with the owner of the company, and so we've had the ability to have some of those discussions where that doesn't necessarily happen with my clients, but um, you know it it usually comes in the form, unfortunately, of being more you know we're praying for them in terms of. Um, um, some difficult time that they're going through. Um, and, um, w- our company, you know, um, with the majority of people feel pretty comfortable, um, kind of having that discussion and, um, you know, letting them know that we'll pray for them on the client side. I can't say that I've had that experience to the greatest degree, maybe with a client or, um, maybe with one client we've, uh, shared our uh-huh. faith. Yeah. So.
0: Well I think a lot of people resonate with that experience. It was one of the things that happened up there. Or one of the things that was articulated in the video that we saw at the start of this message was recognizing that many of you are you are missionaries in places where God has sent you and places where you know pastors and other traditional missionaries and church workers never get to go. You have those relational contacts and the opportunity by your deeds and by your words to be a witness to the work of Jesus and the hope of Jesus in this world and in your life. You know I just want to wrap up here by kind of sharing a couple of closing thoughts with you and one really by way of reminder we've been talking here about Jesus instruction to love your neighbor but I think it's really important for all of us to remember that whatever love that we could possibly show to a neighbor is really love that has first been shown to us and you know one of our core values here as a church is that love pours out we want to pour out love to our neighbors but we can only pour out because we've been filled up and we love because God first loved us And I want to make sure that everybody who's here this morning for sure knows that, that you are loved by God, that God loves you and has been committed to act for your good, to bless you at great cost to himself. Jesus laid down his life for you. And I want you to know that you are loved, that God loves you, every single one of you. I think that's the most important thing that we can say about love in Christian community. And then I'm also hoping this morning that the conversation that we've had, in addition to last week's message, maybe we'll also persuade you that Jesus' instruction to love your neighbor is something that applies in large measure to your daily work. And I think that's important for two reasons. And the, the first one is because of the dignity that it adds to our work. It says that our work is not just something that we do to stay busy every day. It's not just something we do so the world has more widgets. It's not just something even that we do to earn a living and provide for ourselves or our family, though that's a really valuable thing. That's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. But it's even more than those things. It's, although that, I think that too could be one way that we love our neighbor when we work and sacrifice our own time and energy for the sake of providing for ourselves and our family in a stable community. But in addition to all those things, it's also a way that we carry out what Jesus asked us to do. That we love people Jesus loved. That we try to make their life a better place through the work that we do in all kinds of myriad ways. And that can be the and we keep using the word end user. I kind of like to use the word beneficiary maybe a little bit more. The people who benefit from your work uh, most immediately or on down that whole reaction chain. But then also, I, I think this is important. Not only does it dignify our work, but it provides a guideline for what we do. And you know, the the Bible is really, it doesn't contain really detailed instructions for every decision that you have to make. It doesn't contain instructions for which particular database or marketing initiative your credit unions are supposed to employ or what therapy, Barb, your patients are supposed to use. It doesn't include really detailed instructions for all the disciplines that parents design for their children. Sometimes we wish that it did. We have guidance But we don't have those really detailed instructions. That's probably helpful. It's probably good, actually. But one thing we have at the root of them all is this instruction from Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself. And I just want to challenge you this week not only to know that your work matters because it's a place where you love your neighbor following Jesus, but also want to challenge you to think about this instruction to love your neighbor as guidance for how you work. For the decisions that you make, and not everybody has ultimate control over all their own work, but where you do have decision-making authority and control, that you would ask, how can I love my neighbor this week, the ones who are right next to me? How can I do that in a growing way? How can I maybe even begin to see love for neighbor as the real criterion of my success, as opposed to the other measures of success that might be given to me? And maybe I meet those goals, but I hurt my neighbor in the process. And that's probably not so helpful for us. What if I could use love my neighbor as a criterion for success in my work. We're gonna continue this uh, series with one more uh, week, next week, a passage that I think is really helpful for imagining how the gospel takes shape in the roles and structures of our lives. But let let me pray for you right now. Father in heaven, thank you for your incredible love for us, for loving us where we are, right where we are, how we are, for pouring out love into our lives. And I pray that you would reassure everyone who's gathered here today, everyone who hears this message, that you love them infinitely that you love them so much that Jesus laid down his life for us. And God, I pray that you would fill our hearts and our minds with this simple instruction to love our neighbors as ourselves and that you would prompt us, that you would give us some imagination even now this week as to how it is that we can honor that command that you've given us in our daily work this week. Lead us. We love you. We live and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.